what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show uh with 100 less loogies than the last take <laughs> um as always i'm joined by my co-host ryan buell hola hola and i am your co-host mj smith uh ryan you're back after back. two weeks off because um, i'm scared of no need to breathe or whatever the heck it's called <laughs> no need to breathe is my need to breathe cover band <laughs> <laughs> it's an emo band obviously yeah yeah <laughs> No Need to Breathe does... We do mashups of My Chemical Romance and Need to Breathe songs. Uh, yeah, you're back. So back. you've had uh, three weeks at this point now to uh, watch stuff. So what have you been watching? Uh, let's see. I've I've seen about three more episodes of Daredevil. Okay. And that's really been good. I couldn't... The, the Electra storyline that's in there, mm. I'm kind of done with that. But there's some cool developments with Punisher that that made up for it. Uh, let's see, I've seen that. I just recently saw uh, Hell or High Water. I'm going with, right after we're done recording. Yeah. Oh, such a good movie. I won't give spoilers, but um, if anyone has a chance to go see it, I think it's still playing at Edwards and Maya, I think. I know it's at Maya, for sure, yeah. and Bakersfield. But I would recommend going to see it. It's... It's just a well-told story. Ben Foster's really good in it. Chris Pine is amazing. Um, my, oh, good heavens. Jeff my, Bridges. Jeff Bridges is just really good. Perform- just all around, just a well-rounded movie. Uh, good storytelling, and nothing is wasted in that movie. Yeah, like, that's what I keep is, hearing. There's no wasted space. Like, everything has a purpose. And it's just really compelling and funny, that's the other thing I heard. Which I did not expect. I was going in thinking it's going to be a serious drama, but I laughed more often than not. And that huh. was... Ah, I loved it. Really good movie. Just super entertaining and well put together. Yeah, well entertaining. I cared about the characters, which is, uh, as I've said before, if I don't care about the characters, I don't mm-hmm. care. Pardon the stupidity of that, that phrase, but you really are invested in all the players in this mm-hmm. play. Like, and it's interesting. There's twists and turns, and... Um, it's really good, and but Ben Foster, dude, steals the show. That's so good to hear. His performance. I have always been a big Ben Foster fan, mm-hmm. um, but he was in Warcraft this year, and so <laughs> for the most part this year, I've been like, man, freaking Ben Foster, because I feel like I, I always am like, man, Ben Foster is super underrated. I don't think he's in enough stuff. I th- I really like that guy. I think he's super talented. And then every time he's in something kind of in the public consciousness, it's something like X-Men The Last Stand or <laughs> Warcraft. And I'm just like, no, this is yeah. not the Ben Foster that I know from all those indie movies. Yeah. I mean, it's a little weird to call 310 to Yuma an indie movie because it was a big studio True. picture with Russell Crowe and Christian Bale. And he's incredible True. in that movie. Yeah. It was also in um, Lone Survivor. Oh. I can't talk. Lone Survivor with uh, Marky Mark. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. He's really, again, no surprise. Yeah. Really good in that. Um, Warcraft, I haven't seen it yet. I really want to see it. But I'm wondering why he's in it. Because like you were saying, it doesn't seem like his... Yeah. Like, perfect, it doesn't seem like a match for him. I think it may have been excitement to work with the director. Because yeah. it's the guy who did Source Code and Moon. And those are good movies. But yeah. Oh man, Warcraft is a mess. Mm. Ugh man no need to revisit that but yeah he's <laughs> he's so bad in warcraft and so i was just like man i can't i can't i keep singing cleanser. yeah i need a palate cleanser and also i need people to see a movie with him where he's actually good yeah. so i feel like every time i'm like oh yeah ben foster like that dude's kind of the man let's go see this and he's just awful in it every time i try to show ben foster to someone it's like it's like taking your car to the mechanic and you're like i swear it was doing the noise earlier <laughs> but the positive version of that is like I swear, I swear he's he amazing in 310 to Yuma. Yeah. No, this one will restore your faith. Okay. Believe me. Good. He's so good in it. Um, anything else? 
Uh, oddly enough, no. That's, okay. That's, that's, that's it. All right. Um, I did a bunch of watching this last week. Um, I, in honor of Gene Wilder. Um, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, saw Young Frankenstein, which I was like my millionth time seeing that movie. Yeah. But it was my wife's first time seeing it. Oh, snap. And, uh, man, does that movie hold up. Oh, man, that movie holds up so well. <laughs> I was so nervous that it wouldn't. Yeah. And it played it played perfectly. <laughs> Would you like to have a roll in the hay? Pardon me? <laughs> roll, roll in the hay. <laughs> it's <What> fun. A... <laughs> I ain't got no body. <laughs> Dude, Marty Feldman's so good in that movie. Oh, my gosh. What hump? <laughs> <laughs> so I, was, I read up on that. Apparently, he was just switching his hump yeah. different sides and not telling anyone. And that was just Gene Wilder noticing. Just ad-libbing that? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's gosh. Amazing. Did you know Gene Wilder wrote that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, know, I noticed that the first time. He wrote it, He co-wrote it with Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. Um, but he came up with the basic, like, skeleton of the story. It was all his, his idea. Yeah. Um, um, that was... It was cool to revisit it because it was a Halloween staple for me for a lot of years, mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't seen it in a few Halloweens, and uh, it's close enough um, for me to, to to having wanted to see it, and also, you know, Gene Wilder yeah. passing, and man, uh, he's so great in that movie. Yeah. He's, he's, like, even better than you remember him mm-hmm. in it, and, like, you remember him as being amazing in it, and then you see it, you're like, oh, this dude was a powerhouse. Yeah. He was definitely a man of extremes in a good way. Like, I've, I've, in light of his death, I just was watching a bunch of interviews with him, mm-hmm. which was rare because the dude didn't interview. No. Didn't like it. No. But every time you see him, he's so calm and, like, soothing almost, if that doesn't mm-hmm. sound creepy, I hope. Like a Mr. Rogers vibe. Very much. Just, like, a very calm, cool individual. But you see some of the roles he played and some of the way, just the... Ah, or, you know, yeah. I don't know anyway. The, way, any the way, way that man yells, like no one yells like Gene Wilder, man. Yeah. It just commands the attention of the screen whenever yeah. he starts yelling. I watched on YouTube my favorite scene, which is weird to say, but my favorite scene from Willy Wonka, the tunnel scene. Oh, it's so great. Where he's just kind of quoting, and I was watching interviews with the cast members, and they said they they didn't know that was going to happen, and they were freaked out. Some of them mm-hmm. were like, "Has he lost his rocker?" Um, but the dude was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, he's great in Willy Wonka too. Like yeah. that, the the last scene when, with the gobstopper of like, you get nothing. Good day, sir. Yeah. Ah, so good. So, uh, what a legend, man. Yeah. And like, not in a lot of stuff. No, not really. He and he bowed out a little bit after his heyday, and he hadn't made one since. I mean, apparently, he, I, I looked at his IMBD page. He's yeah. got some interesting mentions. Yeah, he was in like Will and Grace for a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. I noticed that he played one of those one of the characters' dads. And yeah, that was I think that was his last credit on IMDb. Was was that was his guest appearance on Will and Grace? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He just bowed out because he felt like movie the movies that Hollywood was making weren't for him anymore, mm-hmm. and it was weird because. He, the 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 reason he cited was like oh well they're too violent and there's too much nudity and there's too much language and then it's like yeah uh, yeah sure you were blazing saddles yeah though well I think the point that he made though I think we're talking about the same interview mm-hmm. the, last, the last I think it was the last one he did um I, I liked his point uh, where he, where he was like it was pointless violence oh, pointless mm-hmm. or point you know yeah like he's like if you're if you're doing it to say something that's yeah, great yeah, yeah. but nowadays the f bomb is dropped for every other reason you know mm-hmm. and he was just like if it's point not that I agree with, I, I'm not a big fan of of foul language to begin yeah, with yeah. but I agree with his point is like if it's got a point in the story he was for it but now it's just kind of fun very. Uh, is right was flamboyant flip it right. flip it there that not flamboyant flip it yes yeah um yeah that makes sense um especially with like blazing saddles taking on a bunch of like race stuff yeah um kind of at the height of that conversation happening and you know with a script co-written by richard Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> um and then him not being in the movie yeah, yeah 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 uh <laughs> yeah so i saw young frankenstein um it was just kind of 70s palooza in this house i guess last week um Another first time viewing for my wife is we watched the original Alien. 
um, which she had never seen before. Did she sleep? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's probably, if you ask me, given the day it changes, but it's pretty consistently my favorite horror movie ever made. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Um, Man. And that movie also holds up like gangbusters. Like, it's perfectly paced yeah um, and you know it's it's on the slower side but that tension is just uh, electric throughout yeah. that whole movie Way oh it's it so good uh it's there that uh, the movie's perfect like yeah. it's beginning to end there's no fat on it mm-hmm. there's i was watching it and you know there's a director's cut that i've never seen and all i can think is why mm-hmm. what what could you possibly add to this movie that makes it any better I can't think of a single thing that you would want to add to it. Yeah. I don't know. Now, are you a bigger fan of one, two, or they're both kind one, of one definitely one, for, for you? for sure. Aliens is about 40 minutes too long for what it's trying to do to me. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm not the hugest James Cameron fan in the world. Mm, fair um, point. <laughs> Terminator 2 accepted. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Terminator 2 is a perfect, uh, also a perfect movie, but... Yeah. Aliens is it's just a little too long and mm. it doesn't do enough. It's not as varied as Alien is and there's not it's more of an actioner, mm. you know, and it's it's not it's like as a little tense. bit of that bite that mm-hmm. the first one had. Yeah, Paxton's great in it. Um We're screwed, man. Game over. <laughs> but yeah, we haven't watched Aliens yet. I think she wants to. I need to kind of build up to Aliens, like know it's coming down the line to be like, all right, this BS is two hours and thirty minutes. Like, <laughs> just, just do me a favor and stop at Aliens. Yeah, is there anything else? Is... I've seen three and four. Ugh. Yeah, um, those are terrible. I the first time I saw Alien and Aliens was back to back. Oh, okay. We we rented it one night and watched them. And everyone in our group was like, oh, man, Aliens is so much better than Alien. And I was like, I really loved Alien. You guys, like, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, Aliens does appeal more to the action people. Because mm. the first one, it is, a, it is a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. You can call it science fiction, but it, it's a monster in the dark. Yeah. That's all it really is. Well yeah. done, but. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's so good. All right, we will take a break and go to film school with myself and Corey Tindall talking about Little Annie Rooney. And then we'll take another short break, and Ryan and I will be back to talk very briefly, it seems, <laughs> about uh, the latest Clint Eastwood movie, Sully. Dun, 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 dun. Sully the Terminator <laughs> pilot. It would improve. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Before and After Show Film School. As always, I'm joined by Corey Tyndall. Hello, everybody. Through the magic of the internet. Yes, the power of the interwebs. And um, yeah, we are here to talk about Mary Pickford's 1925 film, Little Annie Rooney. Yes. Little Annie Rooney is the story of a girl who cried a river and drowned the whole world. Um, what? And while she looks so sad in photographs, I absolutely, absolutely love her when, love her. She, when she smiles. <laughs> um, no, I grew up in the nineties. <laughs> yep, that was uh, name that band. Train. No. It was. Drops it. What? Yeah, that's not a train song. Is it? What? No, Isn't it? I, th- I think the band was called Nine Days. I'm gonna look what? it up right now. Well, maybe Train was Train was drops of jupiter right yeah that was they were drops of jupiter and meet virginia oh yeah but i always got that one um yeah it was nine days that did story of a girl oh okay uh i always got that one and that incubus song mixed up yeah i know it's (laughs) uh oh gosh whatever tomorrow brings oh yeah yep this film school went off the rails immediately (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. Just got wheels off right (laughs) out the gate. (laughs) Wasn't even a minute. Nope. Little Annie Rooney is the story about um, a girl in the kind of slums of New York. And she's an Irish. She's part of an Irish immigrant family. Yes. And 
her father is kind of a big wig on the police force and her brother is getting involved with this uh the big kellys who are a gang in Mm -hmm. in their slum um their slum is also populated by some greek uh some russian some black and some some chinese yeah yeah chinese immigrants so it's kind of this um hodgepodge of oh and jewish did i say jewish no but okay they're pretty important. The Jewish, the Jewish immigrant family yeah. is actually pretty important. Um, so it's kind of this just like weird melting pot kind of slum. If you've seen Gangs of New York, um, it's a little bit like that, but uh, closer to the beginning of the century as far as the cultural divide. And so it's just kind of their day to day lives and uh, in and out of the slums. Um, you know, they don't have a lot to live off of, but they make do mm-hmm. and um you know, the races kind of have their differences, but also they come together and uh, the kids are, you know, pretty rambunctious. And then it takes kind of a darker note, um, a darker tone a little bit later in the movie as yeah. uh, Annie's father gets killed in the line of duty. And so the, f- the the closing half hour is kind of the fallout from that. So it's it's the structure of it's really kind of strange because it's just an hour of life happening to these people. Yep. And then that happens and we get like a half an hour of the fallout from the death of of Annie Rooney's father. Um, mm-hmm. Corey, what did you think about little Annie Rooney? Little Annie Rooney, it was strange. Um, and I don't mean like I don't mean like it was bad. It was just very even like you were talking about the structure of it, it just felt kind of weird to me. Like it felt like we saw like an hour of their life and then like kind of, you know, this tragic thing happened and then kind of like the, like you said, the fallout from that. And it just felt like really weird to me structurally because it just kind of felt like, oh, we're seeing them do life, da 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 da. Oh, her dad died. Oh, that was on his birthday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's kind of dark what what's going on like we're like we're like 60 percent into this movie are they gonna have enough time to resolve it um and they do but that just felt really um like i don't know just totally like weird to me um also i know we will probably get to it in a moment but the soundtrack was very um just like off-putting at times it just felt like yeah i was like i mean i told you like the other day i thought maybe like there was like a sync issue with my audio and video. Like I was, you know, but I was like, well, I'm watching it on Amazon. Like everything should be fine. But there was times where I'm like, surely this music cannot <laughs> be for this scene. Like, why is it jingle bells times? Yeah. Like what is going on? Or it's like her father has just died. She's just found out this news and it's like upbeat, like skippy fun. Like, yeah, you like, know, Bum, bum, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was like, what, what is going on here? Um, so yeah, all of that made for a very like weird viewing experience. Um, Mary Pickford herself, though, I thought, um, you know, did a good job. I feel like she has a very good like range of like her facial mm-hmm. expressions, like kind of how you were talking about and like how you mentioned when you saw uh, sparrows with her in it. Mm-hmm. And I definitely got that sense of even just. Even though she's playing like a kid and orphan in this movie, it was very clear. It's like, oh, okay, like you're a very good actor. So, yeah, she's super committed to the role. um, And I think that comes through. It was Mm -hmm. obviously a passion project for her as she wrote the movie under a pseudonym. And uh, yeah, I think that comes across. She's I mean, like I said, she's got a really great face. And uh, yeah, even when we were watching it this morning, my wife was like, oh, man, she's going to find out her dad dies and she's got such a great sad face. And like, even though the music was really dumb in that sequence, (laughs) she's so good. Um, Yeah, she was so good at emoting that. And the guy who delivered the news was also really good at at emoting that Mm -hmm. um, that information. And yeah, she's gosh, she's great. Yeah. Um, And to prove the point that uh, that she is not talked about nearly enough. um, My wife was watching a video where these ladies were being transformed. They were getting makeovers to basically be in fancy cosplay over women that they looked up to. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the women on there was getting transformed into Lucille Ball. And the lady said that she was the first uh, head of production for a studio in Hollywood. And I was like, nope, try about 25 years earlier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like Mary Pickford, I feel like she was... I mean, she was that that pioneer for like all these different types of roles for like women, you know, like just not like, oh, I don't want to just be in the films. I want to have like creative like input and yeah. like direction in them. Yeah. And like she, you know, and I think it works to varying degrees, but she put a bunch of different kinds of stuff in the movie, you know? Yeah. There was like high comedy, super high, like comedy, super broad um, physical bits and you know, silly little jokes, but also, you know, a bunch of kids were probably going to see this movie because it's got a cast of children. And so there was a bunch of stuff for that. But then she's also really good at selling the drama of her dad getting killed. And also the fallout from that, where her brother gets false information as to who killed him. And, uh, you know, playing the person like playing this, this little girl who's just trying to convince people that what she heard is correct and no one taking her seriously. And Mm -hmm. uh, she's just, she, she put like a range of stuff in here. You know, it's, it does kind of have a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's true. Um, and some of it works and some of it doesn't, it's much more uneven than sparrows. Um, that totally, Mm -hmm. but I think it's pretty ambitious still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The soundtrack, on the Amazon Prime version, there I was reading a couple theories. Um, so the soundtrack does not fit the tone of the movie in At all. most places. Yeah, in this movie um, to a distracting degree. Yep. Some people think it's an issue with syncing, but some people think that it was ported in from a different movie. Oh, okay. That's what I like. That's what it felt like at times. I was like this. This clearly can't be like meant for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's scenes where it's like three blind mice is playing and she's supposed to be grieving her father or, you know, like her brother is getting ready to commit murder. And it's like, pop goes the weasel. Uh, (laughs) So I'm glad that wasn't like just only like something weird with my viewing experience. No. And there's like weird sound effects sometimes like yeah snoring when they're you know uh her and her brother are getting into a fight over the shoe polish yeah um yeah it was weird yeah it, it was, was weird and you know i i liked the movie yeah but it's a little long given the story mm-hmm. <laughs> um and just given what it is like a silent movie it's a lot to ask yeah um, of an audience especially in 2016 Yes, that's true. Um, and I, I found myself getting like to a point where I checked how long we've been watching it. We hadn't been watching it for an hour yet. And I was like, wow. All right. Yep. Still got I still got a ways. <laughs> yeah, but I felt like the last half hour is actually pretty well paced. Like once once the, the climactic event happens with her dad dying, it kind of sprints to the end, but not in a bad way. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's something has happened because I mean, like there are a few things happening kind of in that hour before, but they're so like minute that it doesn't really feel it almost at times feels like, what are we doing? Like what's like, I understand you're, they're having this fight where they're like throwing bricks at each other or whatever. Right. And that goes on forever. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is a lot like what is happening so it just felt like there's a couple of those sequences where it's like so long before we actually really get like any sort of like plot points where it can kind of feel like it's just like staggering, you know? Yeah, but I feel like it's it's important in making sure like it takes us time to make sure that once the climactic event happens, you give a crap. Yeah, like true. I was like, oh, man, I do care about what happens, you know, like, yeah. it took its time, but I also it paid off because i'm i care about every single character and how they're affected by this yeah that scene is super sad when she's like making the birthday cake for her dad oh my gosh yeah (sighs) yeah yeah it's it's a real bummer (laughs) yeah i was just like seriously on his birthday yeah um 
what did you think about the portrayal of the turn of the century slums um, in this movie? I know, obviously, we were not around for any of that. Um, it's very much something we've learned from history. Um, but what, what yes. based on what you know, and I know virtually nothing outside of what I a little bit retained from history class, um, that one flogging Molly song and Gangs of New York. <laughs> um <laughs> So, so I don't know if you know a little bit more about, you know, tenement life uh, in, in New York in, at the turn of the century, but uh, what, what did you think about the portrayal of that? Um, no, I feel like I am uh, on par with you on, like, our combined knowledge of this, but, I mean, it, I mean, like, it was very evident where it's, like, these different, like... Um, like, you know, ethnic groups, they had their differences. Even some of the title cards, like, said thing where it's like, oh, well, that's kind of a stereotype, but... Yeah. I, yeah, like, when it was like, two gangs are fighting, but their leaders are Irish, so Irish, neither so. one of them's gonna <laughs> give it up. <laughs> I was like, wow. But, I mean, like, that was the time period, I guess. Um, so, there was things like that where I was like, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And, like, even, even, like, the most you know, like amiable of like people, you know, there's pro there was some of those prejudice prejudices like just around. So I'm like, okay, like they, you know, they probably naturally are going to find their way into, you know, some of how culture is depicted on film. But I do feel like they did a good job in the film of kind of like showing the differences of some of these, um, kind of like these different tenets of like you know these different like ethnicities but then also kind of like when the plot kind of like came to the heart of like you know oh we all support you know like annie and like her family and you know all of them in the end are kind of like oh we're all like in this together i did like that kind of aspect whether or not like that is kind of like historically like so accurate i am not completely sure but uh those are kind of like some of my thoughts on it. What about you, MJ? Yeah, uh, I agree. Um, I think the, the, uh, surprisingly the one who gets off the, uh, who gets the, the, the brunt of it is the Chinese man. Oh yeah. Uh, that guy. Wow. Um, <laughs> I was, I was like, well, this isn't that racist, you know? And then the, the dad of the Chinese kid showed up and he was just in like, straight up traditional chinese robes yeah always 100 <laughs> percent of the time he was on screen yes and then there's the scene where he's like smoking this like super you know stereotypical pipe and i was like oh man um some of the subtitles are are a little uh yeah a little racist um <laughs> the black kid's mom yeah, she was she was pretty stereotyped, although I was happy to see no blackface in the movie. Yeah, that was, that was, that's a nice thing. Yeah, that was good. Uh, but yeah, her her she has one line in the movie and man, it was written in uh, some very some language very reminiscent of like a minstrel show. Yeah. Um, and also the kid's name was Humidor. <laughs> I was like, who? Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, and then there's also, there's the scene where they do the play. Yeah. And uh, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to. And I'm glad it didn't because they say that Humidor is going to do his quote shimmy dance. And yeah. they remove a robe from him and he's wearing a hay skirt. And I thought they were going to make him do like an African tribal thing. <laughs> but it was just like a hula, hula dance yeah hula dance and i was like that's way better <laughs> yeah thank goodness yes so i feel like maybe i don't know if that was like a lot of since she was this was kind of under her personal direction kind of like where she stood in you know like kind of how she viewed different ethnicities and so she wasn't like we won't like super stereotype them but just i don't know yeah, it's I was trying to parse that out myself. Um, I think the smartest thing, one of the smartest thing the movie does is kind of doesn't really address any of it. Yeah, um, but 
in the back of my brain, I was like, well, she was really good friends with D.W. Griffith. And yep. also this was produced under the United Artists name, which Griffith was co-studio head with herself and Chaplin and Fairbanks. And, you know, um, we'll talk about this next time. But like Griffith not only is responsible for one of the most horrifically racist movies to exist, he was a racist. Yes. Um, through and through, like regardless of, you know, that, that movie wasn't like, Oh, I just felt like that's a story that needed to be told. It was, I felt that that was a story that needed to be glorified. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the whole, the whole idea behind United artists is that the artists would be in control. So I think if anything, it does show that they were really good about that. Um, because I think if Griffith had any input, it would be much worse than what we saw. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Chaplin was, uh, like, I'm, I'm fascinated by, by United Artists because I feel like Chaplin is the total opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you watch the great dictator, like it's clear that that kind of stuff repulsed him. Yeah. And so it makes you wonder, like, well, was Chaplin just going into business with Griffith because it was a smart business decision? Yeah, like, how did they relate to each other? Yeah. Not well, I would imagine. Yeah, right? I don't know. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm just kind of fascinated by that. But I think, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think if anything, it shows the strength of United Artists as a studio, because uh, you can tell that it was very much probably out of Pickford's heart that the way the different ethnicities were treated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, even when there's like, you know, some kind of like stereotypical jokes or like even I thought it was funny, like when the, the Jewish family has her after her father's died and they're like, we have something special for you. And she goes and sits at the dinner table and then she opens the thing and it's like a plate of ham. Yeah. And they're and all just like to the boy. Yeah. <laughs> and the dad freaks out. I didn't think that was too bad, though. No, I, I, I didn't either, because I'm like, well, I mean, like, you know, if you're Jewish, that's part of, you know, like what goes along with that. So I didn't feel like it was like this horrible, like racist thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, even the way the characters looked, you know, like, well, like I said, with the exception of the Chinese man, yeah, um, I, I didn't think any of them looked, you know, like stereotypes. I think they just looked kind of like what people in the slums in the turn of the century would look like in New York. Yeah. Um, you know, like the Jewish guy, the Jewish dad was in traditional Jewish clothing, but not, you know, they didn't put this crazy prosthetic nose on him. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, and yeah, I feel like we associate that kind of stuff, that kind of iconography with that time period. Yeah. Um, and that just that didn't happen here. Yeah. So that was that was really nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's weird that, that this is looked back on as one of her better movies because like i said i liked i like sparrows quite a bit more um mm -hmm. but i think i think it's it's i still think it's worth a watch um maybe see if you can find it on youtube with a different soundtrack yeah um i think she's really good in it still she's really solid yeah, um, I think she has more to do in this than in Sparrow. She's able to run the gamut a little bit more, um, whereas in Sparrow, she basically just like is sad all the time. Oh, OK. And uh, which is good. She's really good at that. But it's Sparrow's is much more dramatic. This one's a little bit more lighthearted for the first hour. Mm -hmm. um, what did you think about kind of the fallout of of her her dad getting killed um, with her brother getting this false information and that this guy that Joe Kelly had done it and he goes after Joe Kelly, but really it was a, you know, uh, these two guys in the, in the gang named spider and Tony, um, who spider gave Tony the gun and Tony is the one who had actually pulled the trigger. Um, and, uh, Annie's brother actually shoots Joe Kelly and yeah. Annie has to give a blood transfusion to Joe Kelly to save his life. Yeah, I'm I I thought all of that was like pretty well done. Like I said, once the whole like kind of the the climactic event with her dad dying, I felt like the movie was it felt like more adequately paced to me, but I felt like the parts that needed to be emotional 
like felt emotional to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole thing with like with her brother and her trying to convince him, like all those scenes, like really like, you know, they sell it to me. And, um, you know, just even some scenes are like, you know, they're still very heartfelt and kind of more serious. Like when she's giving the blood transfusion and it's like, Oh, like, you know, that's a really tense like scene, but then it kind of gets played for laughs when she's kind of like, she writes her like little mini will, Mm-hmm. She gives it to her friend like, you know, she misunderstands like what a transfusion is, but she knows it's, it's going to help Joe Kelly, like stuff like that. I really I enjoyed that. Um, and I kind of I enjoyed the resolution kind of at the end. I, I was like, oh, maybe like a little bit more. But I'm like it was enough that I felt like it wrapped it up for me. It's like, OK, her brother, like obviously didn't become a gang person and he's like a cop to honor his dad. And, you know, yeah. So, yeah, I think um, I liked it. It does that weird silent movie thing where it just kind of leaves a bunch to the imagination, which is good and bad. I like that because I don't feel like I need to get explained every little beat. Um, You know, if you jump from Annie getting wheeled out of the hospital to them driving in a truck, it's like, okay, everything ended up fine. I didn't need to see like the long road to recovery or, you know, any of that stuff. Um, I did think it was a little weird that the guy just shot a random person in the middle of the street and everyone was like, "Eh, we all make mistakes. You can be a police officer now. Yeah, it was kind of like that is not how that would go down. Or even like there Annie has some line where she's just like, if Joe Kelly dies, my brother goes to jail. And I was like. No, your brother's going to jail regardless. <laughs> That's exactly what I told Preston. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I was like, no, no, it's just assault instead of murder. Yep. Um, I also liked when Tony, they the kids all band together to bring Tony into the police and Tim and his older brother shows up and it's like, I just shot Joe Kelly. And the judge is like, you just shot Joe Kelly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Um, and then they're like, Joe Kelly had nothing to do with this. Tony did it. And then Tim looks at Tony and Tony's like, yeah, I did. And then Tim just tries to shoot Tony in front yeah, of the judge. <laughs> he don't care. Yeah. I was like, whoa, Tony is savage. Yep. Or Tim is savage. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah. Do you have any, any other thoughts on little Annie Rooney? Yeah, I think of all the silent films that we've watched so far. So mm-hmm. like old rush, uh, the general trip to the moon and this one, I think, I don't know. This might be like third or fourth for me in terms of how much I liked it. Mm-hmm. Definitely like the general and the gold rush are like at the top. Yeah. Um, and it's not like this is a bad movie. It's just like you said, I feel like she was really ambitious in a lot of the stuff that she wanted to include in here. And so it doesn't all quite gel. I mean, like her performance is really good in it, but it doesn't all quite gel for me. And the soundtrack was weird. So that, that yeah, like that threw me off. But I, I don't know. Like, I would like to see her in something else that just feels more tonally consistent. Yeah. Yeah, because she's still good in it. Yeah. You know, I think she's the most consistent part of the whole piece. Yeah, she definitely is. And so that's why I would like to see her in, like, a different context of, like, you're a really good actor. And then, like, I feel like the movie is more structured, kind of, like, trying to, you know, like, do one one or two things thematically, not... yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of a weird introduction to her. Um, I didn't yeah. know that because I hadn't seen the movie. Oftentimes I don't watch them <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> because it's just about uh, it's just as much about my education as yours and the mm-hmm. audiences. Yeah. And so I hadn't seen it. I think Sparrows is a really good introduction. I'm sure it's on Amazon Prime. If not, I know it's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so if you are interested in seeing her in something else, you should watch Sparrows because she's really good in it. Mm-hmm. She's so good in that movie. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think it was good to touch on her. Um, yeah, definitely. She's important. Yeah, she's crazy important. 
uh, yeah. in, in the history of this. So yeah, I think that'll do it for little Annie Rooney. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting piece. It's uh, I do recommend that you should probably, if you don't start here, um, go and watch the other ones that we've covered first. Yeah, definitely. And then come like this one needs you need to build. You need to build to it. Uh, I think it's it's it hinges upon you kind of knowing how silent movies work a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, and so we have one more left in this uh, <laughs> silent film series. There's a couple uh, foreign ones I didn't get a chance to get to, like Sunrise, which is available on YouTube. Uh, Sunrise, I think it's called Sunrise: A Tale of Two Humans. Um, that's available on YouTube. That's a um, Sunrise is on on YouTube for free. I know you can watch it there. And uh, some Douglas Fairbanks stuff. Um, Douglas Fairbanks was sort of a swashbuckler, and he he was the first person to play Zorro. He was the first person to play Robin Hood. Um, he was in this great movie that my wife and I saw called The Black Pirate, which is actually a silent film in color. Um, mm-hmm. And Mary Pickford cameos in it, unbeknownst to most people. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, Mary Pickford was married to Douglas Fairbanks at the time. And there is a scene where he has to kiss the main woman in the movie. And uh, instead of kissing the actual actress, they had Mary Pickford come in in her costume and kiss Douglas Fairbanks. Oh, yep. That's fun. Yep. So if you see the Black Pirate, I think that one's available on YouTube as well. Uh, if you see the black pirate, you'll, uh, Mary Pickford is in that one in sort of a blink and you'll miss her role and she's in color, which is, uh, there's also a screen test of her screen testing the costume. And so you get to see Mary Pickford in color, which is not something you get to see every day. Um, most of the photos and video of her is in black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And next week we will be concluding, (laughs) uh, not next week, but in two weeks, we will be concluding our trip through the silent era with um, 1915's Birth of a Nation. Yeah, so we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back with me and Ryan talking about Clint Eastwood's Sully. We're back. I hope you enjoyed that discussion of Little Annie Rooney between myself and Corey Tindall. But uh, I'm joined again by Ryan Buell. Hola. And we're here to talk about Sully. Um, Sully is the latest movie from director Clint Eastwood. Stars Tom Hanks as um, Chesley, as we just learned. <laughs> we thought it was Chelsea. Chesley uh, Sullenberger, or Sully as he's known, and um, Sully was responsible for the Miracle on the Hudson, Mm. which is the only successful water plane landing in the history of aviation. Um, Before it was always, even even with survivors, when a plane was in water, it was considered a crash. This Mm. was an actual landing in the water. Um, And it kind of revolves less around the events leading up to the crash and more with the aftermath of um basically the whatever department of the government is involved with investigating plane uh crashes or emergency landings kind of determined that he took a huge risk by doing that and that he had time to go back to the airport so a lot of it revolves around him kind of justifying why he chose to do the water landing over making it back to the airport Mm. um you know, and, and so it's just, it's very much in that Clint Eastwood wheelhouse of reluctant, um, hardworking American male hero. Um, that's kind of every movie Clint Eastwood has ever made, yeah. right? Um, so, I, I mean, kind of to start off, Clint Eastwood is one of the most beloved uh American, figures. American, yeah, figures, <laughs> let alone filmmakers or actors in the la- in the last century for sure. Um, I mean, Ryan, what, I mean, what do you think about Clint Eastwood? And what is there to say? Uh, I love Clint Eastwood. I mean, I grew up watching the spaghetti westerns. Um, he did a comedy. 
know he's done a couple different comedies. Um, Stagecoach? No. Paint Your Wagon? Paint Your, Paint Your Wagon. Uh, I grew up watching that one. Uh, I've always liked him as an actor. I just, that classic kind of like, he's like, uh, the, like a John Wayne kind of figure, you know, just like, mm-hmm. you think America, you think John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, yeah. pretty much the two first male names that come up, I'm sure. Um, I like, I like a lot of his movies he's done, mm-hmm. uh, acting wise, uh, directing wise. I think he's a really good director. Um, I, I mean, it's kind of middle of the road for me. I don't hate any of his stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, that's nothing that I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for the new Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, he looms large over the course of a specifically Western filmmaking history. He yeah. got into Westerns at a time when it was not the most popular genre. Um, the Western, as we think of it, kind of died off in cinema. In the 1950s, it had a much longer life on uh, the small screen with stuff mm. like... Uh, Lone Ranger. Well, Lone Ranger, Bonanza. Mm. Um, oh, gosh. What was the other one? Um, Dodge City, Matt Dillon. Um, uh, oh, gosh. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. Gosh. I was like, Westward. <laughs> um <laughs> Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, uh, you know, that was, that all kind of continued into the 60s on TV, but as far as, like, those John Ford early Western type movies, um, really in the 50s they died off. And then they got kind of popular in Italy again with Mm. Sergio Leone and, um, Peckinpah, a little bit Peckinpah, um, Mm -hmm. dipping into those Italian-made Westerns known as the Spaghetti Westerns. And uh, Clint Eastwood had started his career on TV Westerns and then really became well-known through those Spaghetti Westerns in the 60s. Um, You know, I actually haven't seen the complete set of them. I think I've seen bits and pieces of... Fistful of Dollars. I've seen that one all the way through. Okay. I've seen bits and pieces of the next two. A few dollars more. And, oh. The Good, the Bad, and the Odd. I would yeah. recommend it. Those are, those are good. Yeah. Those are um, really good. And then in the 70s, he became a director um, and directed The Outlaw Josie, Josie Wales, which is probably my favorite Clint Eastwood directed yeah. movie. It's really good. Mine too. That was a really, really good one. Yeah. Um, which is another Western. Um, he basically brought that Western character into the at the time present in the 70s with Dirty Harry, mm-hmm. um, another beloved character from that guy. Um, and then kind of got out of the Western game, came back with Unforgiven, and then really got out of the Western game, hasn't made one since. Mm. Um, and has just kind of been a director um, in the 2000s. He hasn't been in a lot. Uh, his last credited role is Trouble with the Curve in 2012. Mm. Um but he's just, he's basically a writer, director, actor, producer, sometimes composer. He composed... Lover, lover of jazz. Yeah, yeah. He did a Charlie Parker biography, uh, biopic mm. called Bird that I haven't seen, um, which is purportedly not super... Excuse me. Purportedly not super great. Ooh. Ugh. He has a long and storied career that has been not as great in the later half of the 2000s. Uh, he is... Not getting better with age, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, Gran Torino was okay. People rave about that movie. Uh, it was it was good. It wasn't great. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's done a bad movie, per se. Yeah. I think he's done... Um, I think he's good at his craft, but none of his movies that have come out within the last few years have been anything to grab my attention be like this is amazing like, yeah american sniper was good um what else is fairly recent that he's done uh jersey boys that jersey was pretty boys. that was decent um jay edgar was a real garbage movie yeah. i don't know if you saw that or not it was really bad yeah. that movie was that was just like a series of poor decisions between actor and director mm. um you know and leonardo DiCaprio was in that movie and he's awful in it mm. um what was the one you just mentioned uh, american sniper i didn't like that one that much yeah. uh with the exception of bradley cooper's phenomenal performance as chris kyle i thought he was incredible in that movie yeah but everything else that was kind of like eh, on on that movie like the sandstorm sequence i 
at the end. I don't know if you remember that. Um, it's the last big, quote, action sequence in the whole movie. I was movie. always trying to get that one sniper he's been dogging for Yeah, but it's, it's right after that. Uh, right after he gets him, there's this big uh, sandstorm mm -hmm. that happens. And I get the idea, but he didn't execute it well. And it was a really confusing scene. It's supposed to... Because the, the sandstorm is going in front of the camera, and so you can't really make anything out. But he also doesn't do a good job of showing you, like, where things are in relation to each other in the sandstorm. And I understand that he was trying to put you in the action. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, I, it's just blurs. Yeah. It's just a bunch of blurs to me. Blurs without any significance. I don't know. I think he, I think he, ten, he can do... His movies can be a little clunky sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think you can kind of... You can dig through them and see what he's going for, but you can't really... Like, he he sometimes isn't the best at conveying the information. Yeah. On the other end of Sully, uh, before we get into the movie proper, I guess, we have another iconic American figure in mm -hmm. Aaron Eckhart. Um, ass. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't say that I, Frankenstein, was... Uh, masterpiece with a straight face um <laughs> tom hanks is uh chesley sully sullenberger in this movie and i often refer to tom hanks as america's big brother i'm not even gonna ask you what you think about tom hanks because we all we, everyone loves tom hanks but yeah. what, are, what are your favorite tom hanks memories sort of oh my favorite tom hanks memories oh that's that's a good question um hooch Okay. His movie, I know it's a bit, a bit of a weird one. Turner and Hooch. Turner and Hooch. That has got some of my favorite Tom Hanks memories. Um, I For me, it's because I grew up watching that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people, I'm sure, they would say Big, and I did watch that one. That one always kind of creeped me out, if you really think it's about really it. It's really weird. It's really creepy. A yeah. kid has a sex with a, a lady. Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, yeah. weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go with Turner and Hooch and I'll, pretty much the whole movie. Yeah, he's just one of those actors I I just like automatically. Yeah, I mean based I, on his whole. I mean, you've got mail. I, you know what? That probably would mm. take the cake. You've got mail. Just his role in that, and the dude's just likable. He's so likable, and not in a fake way, not mm. in a Hollywood likable way. Like it just seems very sincere mm -hmm. and very down to earth. Um. Um. Yeah, that's probably not a very good answer, but Turner and Hooch and uh, and you've got mail. They've got some of my favorite scenes. The guy's really witty too. Yeah, like, he's really funny in really real sharp. life. Um, just an all around like solid person. You yeah, know, like I'm just happy that he's as successful as he is. Yeah, because it seems like he deserves it. Yeah. you know what I mean. Um, How about you? Saving Private Ryan. Mm, oh yeah. gosh, God, that earn, movie. Earn this. Gah, he's so good in that movie. Uh, I mean, he's good in almost everything he does, but he's so good in Saving Private Ryan. Um, you know, partially because of the Spielberg effect. Yeah. Uh, uh, that has a lot to do with it. I love The Terminal. I love that movie. That was a good movie, actually. Catch Me If You Can is another big one for me. I haven't seen that one. Yet. I love that movie. It's a Spielberg movie, obviously, and... Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little long, but he's great in it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the only times I've heard him say the F word, and it's so funny to me mm. whenever that scene happens. Um, it's like Morgan Freeman saying the F word. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't seem right. Yeah, I, gosh, he's just, he is truly one of the best actors of his generation. Yeah. Um, just He's just solid in everything, you know? Uh, Road to Perdition is another oh, one. That, that is a really, really good one. It's so good. He's so good in that movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Like, the, I'm looking at his IMDb, and it's stupid. Like, yeah. it's not, like, The Green Mile. Mm -hmm. uh, all the Toy Story movies. Yeah. You've Got Mail, That Thing You Do, Apollo 13, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, League of Their Own, um, Joe vs. the Volcano, The Burbs, Turner and Hooch, Big, Drag, Dragnet. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Dragnet. That's the Money one. Pit. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on, and it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, Bridge of Spies, even last year, I thought was great. I yeah. thought he was great in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's Tom Hanks. Like, yeah. He's Tom Hanks. That's all you yeah. gotta say. He's Tom Hanks. He's Tom Hanks. So we'll know, we know he'll be good in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, based off the trailers, I think he'll give a really good performance. Um, 
And I think for me, that'll probably be what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yes. Is seeing his performance. Not necessarily the movie itself. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting story. But like we were talking about with other Clint Eastwood movies, it's kind of middle of the road. But Tom Hanks's performance, I think, will be the... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to see that, see how it does. Yeah, I'm always willing to see a Tom Hanks performance. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is the selling point for me on this, this movie. And, you know, when the trailer first came out... I had conversations with several people and they were like, mm, I don't know, like Tom Hanks, he's fine or whatever. And I was like, one, you're wrong. Two, <laughs> um, two, it's not Tom Hanks that I'm worried about. It's Clint Eastwood behind the camera that I'm worried about. Um, some positive things. This movie's only 96 minutes long. Oh, so it's fairly short. Yes. Huh. <laughs> that is, that'll get me halfway to being like, this movie's great. Um... <laughs> It is. Uh, this movie's already in my good graces for being in less than two hours. Yeah. Uh, I am super over that two and a half hour summer superhero blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so seeing the runtime on this, I thought it, I thought it was going to drag out, um, especially because the events are not a lot of time. You know, yeah. it's, he says in the in the trailer like. You know, I've been on this earth for however many years, and I'm going to be judged by 127 seconds or something. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, how do you build a movie around that and not make it be like, yeah, I know, make you with the crashy. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, I was like, because if you don't, you know, you're calling the movie Sully, so you're making it his story. So it's not like you're going to get us invested in a bunch of the passengers going onto the plane. Yeah. And even then, I wouldn't care because they wouldn't be Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, you know, and or could they? <laughs> he, Tom Hanks in every role. <laughs> they could pull her, uh, pull her express it. Oh, yeah. He just <laughs> mo-capped everyone. Yeah. It's not a Zemeckis movie, though. It's a Clint Eastwood movie. Good point. Um Sorry, I'm real distracted. That conjured a very vivid mental image. <laughs> um, but, you know, by naming it Sully, putting him on the poster, featuring him in the trailer, it's about him. And as much as I love Tom Hanks, are you really going to do, like, a birth to that moment biopic of the guy? Of, mm. like, oh, yeah, he had a pretty normal childhood. Then he was in the military, probably. Then he flew planes, and he was pretty successful at it. And then this happened. Like, that sounds really boring, too. Mm. So the way it's structured is it's structured as the aftermath and the investigation, and it kind of builds to him telling the story of what happened that day. So it's all centered around that day. Mm. And I think that's a good structure. I think there's a skeleton of something that could work here. Mm. We'll see if it does. Yeah. So I'm tentatively kind of optimistic about it. Um, what about you? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm middle of the road. I think it will be interesting, mm -hmm. if nothing else, because I, I think uh, Clint Eastwood does a good job of giving you a story, and it's not boring. It's not like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. It's like, you know, character investment, I think, will be a good thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Tom Hanks and his performance. Uh, I hope the structure of the movie is good, like you're talking about. Yeah. I'm probably not doing a very good job of articulating, but that's just because part of me just doesn't care. To yeah, see the movie. I understand. Um, but I, I think I think it will not be a waste of money. Yeah. I don't think I'll go out of this being like, well, screw that. Why did I see it? Yeah. You know, I, I think it'll be a good performance. I think it'll be a well-told story and worth worth watching. Yeah, and I mean, part of it is it's a little bit low risk because it's a real story. Mm -hmm. It happened fairly recently, so we all kind of remember the quote-unquote details of it. Yeah. In that, you know, we know everyone was okay. He put a bunch of lives at risk, but everyone was fine. You know, um, him and his family are fine. There was no tragedy that happened. You know, it's 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 uh, it's a triumphant story, um, mm -hmm. albeit a little scary. You know, um, but but everything worked out. So, you know, there's not a lot of tension in it, which isn't bad. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not gonna be like, oh man, you know, you're you need you know the outcome. So when the plane crash happens, you're like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, I know what's gonna happen. Um, another thing is this movie, to a lot of people I get into conversations with, is 
drawing a lot of comparisons to that to that Robert Zemeckis uh, uh, airplane crash movie Flight mm-hmm. starring Denzel Washington. I don't know if you saw that I or did not. See that one, no. I saw it in theaters. It was okay. Um, that movie, however, is one fictional, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's not based on real events. And two, it starts off with the plane crash. And I don't think this is going to start off with the plane crash. I think it's going to build to it. Um, It starts off with the plane crash and then uses the plane crash as the catalyst for this story about this completely broken, screwed up man and his struggles with alcoholism Mm. for like two and a half hours. It's a really long movie. And, you know, they sold it as like, oh, this brave pilot that did this plane crash thing, but also he may have had some alcohol in his system at the time. And no, it is. That's the whole movie. Yeah, it starts off with the plane crash and then the rest of the movie is like, oh, yeah, that's because this guy has a ton of addiction problems. Mm. And... So it was. He's a much harder character to root for, um, which is weird because Denzel is usually super easy to root for. Yeah. Um, but it's so different. It's wildly different than this story. You know, um, it's not a dark story. Sully's yeah. story is not a dark story. It's the, the complete opposite, as far as I'm concerned. And, yeah. Um, I'm down. You know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it is really hard for me to care yeah. necessarily. <laughs> um, I don't think it's going to be a movie we'll remember by the end of the year. Yeah. I really don't. Um, but if it tells a good character story, albeit not a fictional character, but a, a compelling story of what made this man tick, and mm-hmm. I think like they're, we're going to get some backstory on him. Yeah. Um, I think that'll be interesting. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. And it, it, it could end up being one of these things that we've run into this problem a lot over the last year or so. In that movies are in kind of a weird spot where the old guard is kind of on their way out just by virtue of age. You know, the Scorseses and the Tarantinos. Like, Tarantino's already said, I got two more movies left of me and then I'm done. I'm retiring after ten. And Scorsese's just getting old. And Spielberg's just getting old. Um, Mm. You know, and a lot of the newer people are either stuck in indies that no one's seeing or they're caught up in these Marvel, Star Wars, Disney machines. Mm. Um, which are, aren't bad. I like those movies. But there's no real, like, there's no one really to take up the mantle of these Spielbergs and Scorsese people that I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, and also these people, have, th- that old guard, quote unquote, has been around for such a long time that they're victims of their talent. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this during the BFG in that Spielberg can't just make a great movie anymore. It has to be phenomenal, like yeah. basically perfect for people to care. And it's so crazy because the BFG is great. Bridge of Spies is great, but it's not like, yeah, of course, Steven Spielberg made a great movie. Where's the news in that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's so weird. That's such a weird headspace to be in. And that's kind of how I feel about Sully. Like, of course, Tom Hanks is going to be really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. But in order for me to, like, care, it has to be better than great? Like, what is wrong with me? Mm. You know? And it's it's not his fault. Like, he just turns in such solid work that it's it's no surprise when he's solid. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so weird. And that's exactly how I feel about Sully. Um, I just feel like Clint Eastwood has been not as good of a director lately. And Tom Hanks is just still really great and solid. And so... It might be a little shaky on Clint's part, but on Tom Hanks's part, he's going to hold it down. And that's it. Yeah. You know, it's so weird to, yeah. to I don't know, to be in that headspace. But, yeah. you know, I'm sure I'll like it. That's all I can say yeah. about I'm it. I'm pretty sure I'll like it. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> what's not to like, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Sully? <laughs> not really. It's a hard I... one to talk about, man. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's that's literally all I got, brother. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully the next couple weeks, I feel like they've been kind of short these last few weeks. Hopefully the next couple weeks will be a little meatier uh, as far as, you know, we got Magnificent Seven coming down the line. uh, Yeah, Uh, speaking of, I mean, Black Tom Hanks, basically. (laughs) Uh, Denzel Washington playing the sniper. Yep. Um, but yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Ryan, you are not in the Twitter verse. I am not. Facebook. Uh, yeah. But. Um, 
You can find the show on Facebook. Uh, you can find everything we do at thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. That's that, R-E-E-L, perspective.blogspot.com, hashtag cinema. Um, <laughs> and uh, don't put hashtag cinema at the end of it. It's not going to take you anywhere. <laughs> Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Beyond Pod if you're an Android user. And you can find the YouTube show every week on YouTube.com. Just search the before and after show. Uh, Mike, Maury, and I this week are talking about Patton. Um, if you guys have not figured out the, uh, the new format of the YouTube show... It is basically we took the old format of this podcast and split it down the middle. So we used to talk about an older movie in conjunction that was kind of thematically linked to the newer movie. We basically just split that in half. So the older movie that we were talking about in conjunction with Sully is Patton. This week, uh, the before episodes for both are going to be dropping in the same weeks now. Um, the after episodes are going to be dropping in the same weeks. The reason we chose Patton is uh, so it's a little circuitous, but we figured it out. <laughs> really the conversation was oh labor day's that weekend that's a military holiday we should do Patton because we've always talked mike and i have always talked about doing an episode on Patton, and uh we were like okay let's put that on the books and then one of us went labor day's not a military holiday is it and the other person said oh no it's not and then we said well we already typed it out so we're doing Patton." <laughs> but our actual reason now is they're both Movies about American men. Thin but good. Yep, just about hardworking American men. <laughs> that's that's all we got. Hey, it works. Yep. So you can you can see us talk about that over there, and then next week we'll be back on YouTube to talk about After Patton, and back here to talk about After Zully. Um, until next time, go watch <laughs> Alien for the millionth time. Yep. Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>